Welcome to Daring to Be Happy with Leela B, the podcast that invites you to show up, play big, be courageous, and inspire you that through meditation you can find peace and live happy. Hi, I'm your host, Leela B, and yes, I really am a modern day monk, but to be honest, I'm not all that different from you. I'm still subjected to the chaos that's part of a busy life and world. I'm far from perfect and I've got plenty of issues, but I've found a way to be happy anyway. So welcome to Daring to be Happy. So welcome to today's episode of Daring to be Happy. We are recording from a cafe in the middle of Singapore. So we've got a little bit of ambient noise in the background. And today I'm here interviewing my friend Taraka. Taraka is an old hand at meditation. She's been doing it for like, Yes, and as a result, I'm very interested to see how she has incorporated meditation into her life, and I've just spent the last few days with her, and I really admire her already for the ease in which she appears to go through life and handle life. So, welcome, Taraka. Hello. Hola. <laughs> I'm Taraka. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> Perfect. And where do you want to start? I don't know. You ask me a question, I'll answer them. <laughs> okay. So you started meditating in 1997, correct? 99. In November 1999. Cool. And so, what was going on in your life at that time that led you to seek out something like meditation? It's quite interesting. During the end of the 90s, Asia was going through a turbulent period when there's economic crisis in Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and a lot of people are caught up in it. And I'm no special. Before that, I have kind of like an okay, mediocre life. Things are just prodding along. But when that happens, everyone is caught in it. And I'm no exception. And that crisis really totally threw me into a space that I wasn't prepared for. So I literally was thrown into... Just overnight, my business collapsed. And my husband and I, my then husband, literally, we went through a year of really trying, struggling to make ends meet. We were almost in the brink of bankruptcy. I was depressed. I was stressed, angry with the world. I was blaming everybody for the problem. I was blaming the government, blaming the dog, the cat, my neighbor. I was so miserable. But at the time, in the midst of it, I didn't see that it was... Or me, I point my finger outward and to a point, the life was so painful. I was living in so much fear. I literally just want to curl up and die. Okay. It's nobody's fault. It is just what happens. But I didn't see that because I was so caught up in all the misery and all the fault finding. And literally one night after living my life in so much fear, I literally sent at my balcony, I want to jump. I was ready to just call it quits because, not because I want to die, I, I want to kill myself. It was, I refuse to continue a life this way because 
at the end of the day, deep inside my heart, I know life wasn't supposed to be like this. But somehow, I just have no idea how to get out of this little trap hole that I'm in. So I just stand at the balcony and just scream. And I say, I want to know what is real. And I curse at whatever we call our higher power or, you know, the intelligence of God or Buddha or whatever. I just scream. I said, listen, I I really want to know what that is about. If you're real, you show up now because if not, I'm going to jump. I really am going to jump. And that was that. After I screamed for this ultimatum to the universe, and guess what happened? <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't jump. No, because the phone rang. <laughs> was it God? It was literally kind of like God. It was so funny because usually when a phone rang, especially at night, it would be debt collectors, bankers, lawyers just chasing me for money. And I usually do not answer the phone. But this time, I kind of was a bit shocked that the phone rang. And I look at the phone and something made me answer the phone. And at the other end of the phone, it was this lady, sweet lady that I just met briefly in a holistic bookshop somewhere. I don't even remember who she is. And she literally was just saying hi and wanted to invite me to a meditation introduction. Just two minutes before, I was going to jump out of the balcony, right? So I wasn't ready. My mindset wasn't ready to entertain stuff like that. And I just kind of scream at her and say, go away, I have no money, I'm broke, I'm going to... <laughs> so anyway, long story short, uh, what she told me, she said, listen, it's free, you're welcome to come and listen to this talk about this particular meditation, and you got nothing to lose. And when she said that, it kind of made me stop and go, oh my God, maybe my question to the universe earlier, this may be the answer, I don't know. So I literally told her, say, okay, I'll come to the introduction. It's free, right? I, I make sure it's free because I'm so broke. I have only $2 in my pocket. So I make sure it's free. I say, okay, I'll come to the meditation introduction. And guess what? That totally turned my life around. It was almost like there's a lifeline from God calling me on this telephone through an angel to pass me this message. And that is like 17 plus years ago that it happened. And I never looked back because it totally, the meditation that I learned after totally not only changed my life forever, it literally saved my life. Wow. That's a super powerful testimony to meditation, isn't it? <laughs> So you went to the intro talk, and then they invited you to a course. Yeah, actually, it was easier than that. When I arrived at the introduction, I mean, I just walk in like everybody else, kind of a bit blur what's going on. And I saw the two teachers that are supposed to be giving the talk. I haven't even said hello to them or have any interaction. But when I saw them, something hit me big time because I saw something they have that I really wanted. It totally hit me right at the core of my heart and I almost stood there and stared at them and I, I knew deep down inside of me, I knew they have something 
that I really wanted. It's not so much them inviting me to a talk. By then, I already knew I'm going to be taking this course by hook or by crook. I don't care how I'm going to do it. I'm going to attend the course. How long was it between that talk and then the actual course? <laughs> Actually, it's quite funny, you know. <laughs> After being invited to the intro talk and attended it, I become more brokenhearted, to be honest. I become more brokenhearted when I left because I knew this is something I really want. If there's anything I really wanted in my life at that moment, this is it. But don't forget, I was on the brink of bankruptcy. So I'm really broke. Like I said, I spent the last $2 on a bus to the introduction. So I'm broke. And it broke my heart because I really wanted to attend the course, but I had no money. Zero. I mean, zero. I don't even know how to, I can even borrow money because I'm tapped out. So between the time after the intro to the course starting on the weekend, literally this sweet lady that called me before, called me back again. And she literally go, hi, how are you? You know, are, are you interested? Even before she even finished her sentence, I just cry. I just start crying. I go, listen, you know. I want to do this course so badly, and but I can't, you know. And after a little bit of small chit-chatting about the reason why I can't do it, and she go, how much do you really want to do it? How bad? And I told her literally, that was exactly my words. I said, listen, I'm willing to die for this because I was going to jump out my window, right, before this thing happened. So I said, I know it will save my life. That's how much I want to do it. And... She paused for a little bit. Next minute, she just told me, said, listen, I don't know you very well. And I know how much you want to do this course. I'm willing to do this for you. I'll put your course, which 17 years ago, it was like about 200 US dollars, which is to me is a lot of money at that time. And she said, I'll put the 200 dollars US on my credit card, but you need to pay me back every single cent or else you get bad karma right and that weekend i attended the course just like that because i asked god to i don't care i'm gonna attend this find a way do something move mountain i don't care i need to go and it happened and i attended the course and never looked back since amazing i love those little stories of abundance was the impact of learning the meditation instant did you feel a difference instantly Yes, absolutely. It's funny, the course that I attended, it started on a Friday evening and then it was a full day Saturday and a full day Sunday. It was supposed to be a two and a half day course. But literally on the first night, I started already to experience some a shift because at that time I was insomnia for many, many years since I was a teenage days I worry about a lot of things I don't sleep I just I just couldn't so I was worried I couldn't get up early enough for the next day's class on Friday night and I asked the teacher listen would this help me wake up in the morning and she looked at me and she started giggling she said I don't know about waking you up but I promise you tonight you sleep like a baby I go, yeah, right. I look at her, I roll my eyes, I say, yeah, right, you know. It got to be something really powerful to get me to sleep that night. And then when I went home, and I before I went to bed, I literally did this technique that they taught me to how to quiet down my mind. Literally, I slept. 
I slept like a log. I slept like a baby. I had really deep, restful, not just so sleep that you have dreams. No, it was a quiet, deep and restful sleep. Like for about 8, 10 hours, I woke up. I literally bounced out of my bed because it was that effective. Just one night, first technique. And it already, I see the change and I already start to experience this peace they were talking about in the course this peace that is beyond understanding even though as they were talking about it i kind of like conceptually i know what they talk about but it wasn't my experience because that was what i wanted to experience just some simple simple peace in my life and that night after the course i went home something is different i don't know what it is something shifted i felt a lot more peaceful for my with myself and my husband after that, and kind of like the world around me, it, 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 it's very subtle, but yeah, it was there. I start to experience the shift even on the first day that I learned the meditation. Wow. So then how did life change for you once you'd completed the entire course? Did you instantly have a committed or consistent meditation practice or did you take a wee while to warm up to it? Well, actually, to be honest, before I learned this meditation, I was exposed to many other modalities, many other styles of meditation. And the reason why I didn't start with any of that is literally, to be honest, they're all freaking difficult. Because try to quiet your mind down, like trying to force it to be quiet. It's impossible. Try to sit in a lotus position for more than 10, 15 minutes. You tell me whether you're stressed. I get stressed. I literally hate a lot of the other meditation because they simply are just too damn difficult to do. <laughs> and I hate it. And even though the intention was there, and uh, usually a modality would last me a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. And then after that, it kind of tails off to almost, there's no discipline to it. But this particular one that I just learned, it was amazing. In a way, because of that instant peace that it brought me and the rest, I already knew, even before the course is finished, that this is one discipline that I need to cultivate. It is, after all, a discipline. We all need to do that. I mean, as simple, as easy as any meditation out there is to help us, we need to take accountability to practice it. No one can do that for us. No one can hold our hands. They can support us, but we have to decide to want to do it. And I decided that we can that I'm going to want to change my life. I want a life totally different from what I have experienced. So, yes, it's very simple because for me, I was very blessed to have start experiencing the benefits, but it still has to be a very conscious choice to make it a discipline. I mean, it's, even though we say discipline, come on, it's not like we have to spend eight hours a day doing it. No, it's simply just... Three times a day, I had to do like 20 minutes with my eyes closed. And the most beautiful thing is to, I can do this meditation with my eyes open anytime. So I literally, trust me, I got a lot of stickers everywhere in my house. <laughs> Star stickers, shoe stickers, I don't care. Anything that will remind me to practice my meditation during the day. Because as much as I do my eyes closed three times, in between, I forget. You know, I get stressed, I get angry, I get 
you know, a bit frustrated in my work or interacting with my friends or my family, then whenever I see the little sticker, I go, oh, I don't need to be suffering right now. And I do the meditation technique right there and then. And the more I remember to practice with my eyes open, I find it become almost like the meditation kind of took over or has a life of its own. It kind of become a life for me that I don't need to have effort to remember. It will literally come and everything is around me to remind me to be more still, more quiet, more peaceful and not crazy. So for me, first of all, it starts with a very clear intention. It is a discipline that I want to create in my life. And it's been 17 years, I must say, I haven't missed a day. <laughs> and trust me, it becomes easier and easier as the day goes by, the month and the years. And to this day, after 17 years, this meditation still continuously showing me more simpler way to experience life fully. How about that? <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> So, how has your life changed or improved in the last 17 years? I mean, it's a long time period, but maybe just some examples. Wow. You have like three hours or five hours interview? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, okay. Listen, a lot has changed. It's, my life is totally different, completely. The blueprint is completely changed. If there's a few key things I would talk about today, about the changes in my life, is for me the most powerful is that totally shifted my perspective about who I am and the world around me. Literally, everything that I used to think that is wrong with myself and wrong with the world around me, that literally, it was very fast. The shift came. It, it wasn't like abrupt. All of a sudden, one morning I woke up. Oh my God, the world is beautiful now. No, it totally, very literally, it's kind of like every moment it starts to open up to show me a different way to live. Like the world is so much more beautiful compared to what I used to think the world is evil. You know, the world is so full of injustice and cruelty and violence and unfairness and all that stuff that make my life miserable. How did it change how you viewed what had happened to you in the global financial crisis? Well, of course, first of all, I literally stopped being a victim. <laughs> Right? Most of the time when we point our finger outward, come on, we have the biggest V walking around blaming the dog, the cat, the neighbor, your mother-in-law and all of that. But it was even this technique, literally, it empowered me and give me back that creative, uh, what do you call it? The creative, like an energy about you instead of waiting for something to happen to me. I just... Expanded literally something opens up in me to go hell no I'm not going to take this setting now I'm just going to do something different I'm going to make a different choice I'm going to do something different other than what I used to do so in that too it, it kind of open up more potential like opportunities that I never knew existed because as a victim you close up and you just want to die and because things are happening to you so now, instead of that, everything that happens in my life, I take it as something is happening for a better 
reason for a better outcome. It is there to help me grow and get out of my little trap, my limitation. And I welcome that. And with that too, don't forget, even in all of this experience, I start to experience first time literally gratitude which I used to take all that for granted because I was so grateful to finally have a life back even though it wasn't, it was still, I still have a lot of debt, I still have problems, I still have business stuff, I know I still have a lot of stuff going on, I have to deal with difficult uh, lawyers and all, but in spite of all that, because this meditation is so simple to use, I still deal with all this but without the suffering. Does that make sense? I still talk to lawyers. I still talk to bankers. I still talk to people that are screaming at me for money. But I responded differently. So when I saw all that happening in my life, I started to really feel so grateful to have a life back. And guess what? The power of gratitude is so amazing. The more I feel gratitude for my life, the more things start happening for me. People will come into my life to make changes. Things will happen at the right timing to help me pay a certain debt. Or a, a client will call up out of a blue when we just needed money to pay rent. Something like that. It just opened up things that is beyond what the mind are telling us that we're stuck, we're stuck, we're stuck. So it literally got me out of a stuck mode for a long time. Okay, so those are the very quick thing I saw immediately after I learned the meditation. Right. <laughs> so you're born and bred in Singapore, and you're the only Ashaya meditation teacher in Singapore, for now, soon to be changed. Maybe you just want to talk a little bit about the meditation community that you have here. For one, even though I travel still quite a bit, I still leave my base here in Singapore to want to build something here because I don't have that benefit of a mirror, a clear mirror around me to play with. A lot of time, I still have to trust that inner teacher from the silence. Sometimes, almost, you have to make a decision to do this, go left or right. You can't just, uh, wait, I, I need to write an email before I give you an answer. You can't. You just have to say yes or no or go ahead. So a lot of time, that part of me, I like to say that part of me, it really builds an intuitive trust because most of us are very intuitive. The only problem is we don't trust that. <laughs> right? First hit is always the right answer. And then the mind will come in and say, uh, maybe not this one, maybe. Then we start to doubt that intuitive hit. Right, so for me, I learned to trust that because I don't have the luxury of go. Mm, maybe ask another teacher or ask somebody else. I don't have that. I, I don't have clear mirrors living around me. So a lot of time, I learned to trust that, and because I trust that intuitive hit of what to do, it become even more acute, and it starts to become to a point. I live my life just being pulled along by this intuitive knowingness that you just... How do you know? I don't know. I just know. We just do this. How do you know? I don't know. You just trust that and you go with it. So what? Even if it's the wrong choice to do certain things, there's no such thing as a wrong choice. It just... It will kind of reroot itself back to what we're supposed to do anyway. It just takes a little bit longer to detour. That's all. So 
if you ask me how I do it, I can't say I'm the one doing it, but I have to be very clear because most often I felt that I'm being led by invisible guidance that comes through me and that mostly from just close my eyes to listen to what God have to tell me. Right, that and that to me is very powerful. A lot of time we listen to the head giving us direction how to do this, how to create a course, how to talk to people that are interested. But I don't, I don't really do that much. I just trust whatever is happening or being pushed to do it. I just do it. I just have to trust that. And most of the time, nine out of ten, it turns out pretty okay. Right, and even the one time is not okay. It was meant to be like that because that's something to be learned from the experience. Plus, with the students that starting to learn, and they are also my support, and I'm very grateful to have them around to play with. It's not about me, teacher, you, student. No, none of that. We are in this game together. This is the only game in town. We're here to play together. Don't forget. So we are here for each other. We're here to help each other remember, play, live a life more fully. So I am grateful for this support that I never knew was there, but they are there. So that really helped me a lot. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that with the, the students that you've taught to meditate. Sometimes I feel like I'm not a professional enough teacher. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't share some of the things that I share because it doesn't make me look like a very good teacher. But to me, it's more important, same with this show, is just to share with people how it, how it is and how things really are, whether that's good or bad or I've, I'm feeling grumpy or emotional or not blissed out like I think I should be. But, you know, I get as much from the students as I hope they get from me. Yeah. Okay, so now we move on to a little part of the show called the Playful Questions. So... Question number one is, what's your favorite food? Ah, right now, this instant, my favorite food will be avocado. I don't know why that came out, but at the moment, the first thing that came to mind is avocado. <laughs> is that okay? Sure, I was hoping... <laughs> I was expecting you to talk about chocolate, and then we could talk about chocolate. <laughs> okay, avocado and chocolate. How's that sound? Because it makes amazing ganache. You know, the ganache, if people understand chocolate terms, ganache is like chocolate mixed with full cream or heavy cream to make it like a flowy, juicy thing that melts in your mouth. But I've since learned, because I have a lot of vegan or vegetarian students and friends around, I learned to make it a bit more vegan. So I learned to make it like avocado blend with warm chocolate. I tell you, they are the most heavenly. Yeah, that is also my favorite food. <laughs> well, of course, because you are a... a <laughs> You're a chocolatier, correct? And you've been doing teaching meditation courses and chocolate making courses together, right? Overseas, yes. But in Singapore, this coming weekend on a Sunday, I wish you can stay and attend the course. I usually teach 
the chocolate that I make, I, I make chocolate to sell, not in a shop or anywhere. It just by personal orders or Christmas or Valentine. People will order through friends or for birthday, whatever. So I usually. I don't teach this course in Singapore. I've never taught once, but I've taught overseas when I'm in retreats or when I travel uh, in Canada, in in Spain, places like that. And I have to say, I have an integrity to this chocolate thing because I would incorporate it with the meditation. To me, it's not just about making chocolate, but it is absolutely like a dance with chocolate. Through meditation, so while you're making the chocolate, you'll be doing the meditation technique with the eyes open. So there is something special to that because what it does is the chocolate becomes more conscious. I don't know whether that makes sense. It vibrates at a lighter frequency, even though it may be just homemade chocolate. Most of the people who have tasted it will keep coming back to me and say, "Wow." I don't know what he put in that chocolate, but I felt so loved. I felt so light. I felt so peaceful. But so literally, the chocolate is like a tangible thing that you can taste with consciousness, basically. Wow, it's a bit like there's that movie called Chocolate. It's quite old. Kind of. It's almost like you put a piece of consciousness. In your mouth, and the carrier thing that helps that is the chocolate. So the chocolate is the medium that we put in our mouth. But with that too, that's why I will only teach people who has already learned to do this meditation technique, or the teachers. So we use the technique that are taught in the course, the love technique. That's a part that is about the love technique. So we use all the love technique while we're making the chocolate. Basically, we're all blissed out and laughing and giggling and playing. It is about playing. It's not a serious thing like we sit down, we learn, we go to a cooking class. None of that. It's just about playing. We melt the chocolate, we paint with it, we do this. So, oh, the chocolate course is about that. So, when the end product comes out, it's not a heavy. You can feel the vibration, and when you put it in the mouth, it's like a taste of heaven. Okay, I'm not sure if I can say this, but I usually tell people it's almost like a bugasm, which means your taste bud is having an orgasm. <laughs> we can totally have budgasms on the show. <laughs> so it's almost like it's just the inside of the chocolate will explode, you know, like when you're totally in. But first, you have to kind of roll it around in the mouth to make love to it, so that it will just present itself that true explosion, and then you get to experience the essence of what the chocolate is about. So I play with chocolate. Chocolate is to me, it's just a play, and it's my passion, and it is so much fun, and it it creates some bread and butter in my life. It helps, and it's something I love doing too. Brilliant. Well, and I think chocolate has been acknowledged in ancient civilizations as having a, you know, it's a superfood. It's got a spiritual element. I was just in Bali the other day. I went to a full moon gathering party thing and they did a cacao ceremony where they kind of used the cacao to acknowledge, I don't know, the universe, the power of the moon. And it was just a bit of fun, but yeah, I think there's evidence of cultures and civilizations having done that for thousands of years. Okay, that was a long first playful question. 
We're on no, no, we're on 9% battery on the laptop, so we've got time for a couple more. <laughs> uh, the, ne- the next question is, what's your favorite place in the world? Wow. Um, I, okay, this is a very deliberate... Um, I have to say, I don't have one, not anymore, because I take whatever I have with me anywhere I go. To me, the most favorite place in the world exists where my state of mind is. So, I would say when I'm a bit frustrated or a bit off the track, I don't care if it's in the middle of paradise. I will still feel like crap. (laughs) But I could be just in a very simple cafe or I could just be sitting in a garden somewhere and experiencing the deepest, most silent experience. To me, that's my most favorite place. So I used to have like favorite, oh, I want to be here, I want to be there in this country, that country. But I seem to even go beyond that. Does that make sense? Because you carry what you have with you anywhere you go. Or you can even be in the middle of a slum somewhere and still experience absolute bliss. And to me, that's heaven. No, I agree with you. And I think we often think, oh, we'll be happy when we're lying on that perfect golden sand beach, sunning ourselves with beautiful waves lapping at the shoreline. And, you know, I just spent a month in Bali and... (laughs) Whether I was at the beach or not, it wasn't. It wasn't always like that. It wasn't always sunshine and, and rainbows. What is your favorite conscious book or movie? Actually, I have to start with the favorite book. Undeniably, Chick happens. Ah! Chick happens is to me one of the most conscious book I've ever laid my hands on and eyes on. Every time I touch it, it answers the question I had in mind at that very moment that makes me flip the page. So, Chick Happens by Narayan Ishaya. Go get them. Go to Amazon.com. Go to go online. Order that book because to me, that is one book that is so amazingly powerful. Simple question and answer thing. But it answers every question that you may have or I may have. I sometimes I just still, you know, I have a particular thing that's happening. Be oh, a student will ask me question I have no answer to. I literally just look at the book, I flip it, the answer's right there. It's that amazingly conscious. Perfect. If we didn't have a powerful enough testimonial for Chick Happens already, we do now. <laughs> right. Well, as soon as I get home, I'm emailing Narayan and gonna make him get on this show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What brings you joy? Oh, wow. <laughs> this one, I take it as a trick question. What brings me joy? Actually, to be honest, I used to think things happen on the outside gives me joy, make me happy. No. This is from my own direct experience. Nothing can bring us joy because we are joy itself. The first time I experienced joy bursting out of my core, I had this joy. It was almost like a volcanic eruption. The joy would just come from somewhere inside. I don't understand why I'm giggling on the bus. I don't understand why I'm laughing for no reason, riding a train. And people would look at me weird and I go, what the hell? But I, I just allow it to happen. So... To me, I have to say, with my experience now, 
it's not so much what will give me joy. Of course, if if I win the lottery, of course I'll be happy. If I will meet you know a gorgeous guy, I'll be happy. It's none of this external thing that is going to create more joy in my life. The joy is already existed within me, and that's who I am. To a point, I gotta say, sometimes I have people just get really pissed off at me because I'm just too damn joyful for them. I just laugh for no reason. They look at me, they go, go away, Taraka, get out of here. <laughs> go away, you're too happy. You're annoying me. And, and you know, I have to say, I have met people stop me on the street in Vancouver and just go, what the F are you so damn happy about? And they got so pissed off and they really just don't understand because this is what average people always being conditioned to think that happiness can only be from some external factor. That's not true. That's real BS that we've been conditioned to live our life. No, the joy comes from within us. All we have to do is just to learn to tap and remember that place of absolute full joy. So to answer your question, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> joy, we're talking about joy. Yeah, yeah, all of us can be joyful if we allowed it. So that is actually a key thing. We have to allow the joy to come through us, not waiting for something to happen in order for us to be happy. But chocolate helps, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Many things help too, but that's not the point. No, I know. I know. <laughs> okay, so you are definitely, I think, a really great living, breathing example of continuous joy. What do you still find challenging? What can still trip you up? Interesting question. What kind of still trip me up? Of course, you know, I'm still a human. I'm still experiencing life through a human body. I still experience uh, emotions, sometimes very intense ones. Uh, I still experience a lot of challenge. But I must say, a lot of this has been helped through my meditation practice to move beyond all of this challenge. But if there is any challenge at this moment, sometimes I still feel uh, when I forget. How's that? So what happened the last time you forgot? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not talking about specific event. But, uh, I, right now, my, my mind is blank. But I have to say, it's not so much about a particular event. I like to use this analogy. In my experience, when we are absolutely just totally in line with the present moment, being here, absolutely experiencing life with whatever is presented in every moment, it's almost like, you know, when you have a smartphone on you, the smartphone is lit up and you're working on it, it's lit up. But when I forget, it's almost like when the phone starts to go into like a dim mode and then it goes dark. So to me, when I forget, sometimes it is always telltale sign that I'm kind of slowly moving away from the silence is when I start to experience the dimming off. <laughs> Does that make sense? And when you start to dim off, all of a sudden, everything starts to feel a bit out of alignment. 
So, like I said, I can't really give you a specific example, but I must say, if there are times in my everyday activity, I start to feel a bit misalignment, that's when my smartphone is dimming off into darkness. <laughs> and that is literally like we normally refer to it as our phone, it's, it goes asleep, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. If you've got any final parting comments or, or just anything you'd like to share? Okay, what is coming true for me to say this? I just have to say I'm very blessed because I was given a new lease to this life that I almost gave up years ago. And from then, since everyone I've met, everyone I've talked to, whether you're teachers, uh, meditators, people have absolutely no clue about meditation, just living an everyday life, I always will talk to them and most of the time, I can feel this desire in them. Whether they are aware of it or not, I always see this light, like this little sparkle, this desire within them of wanting to wake up to something different. A part of them that really wants to remember. And a lot of time, we are a bit walking around in circles, a bit half asleep. If there's any pearl of wisdom I would tell anyone is, do whatever it takes. Sometimes in this meditation thing that I do works for me. This may not be the answer to your question, but find something that does. Find a tool, find a medium, do yoga. I don't care. Just, just do it because we are here. All of us here is to do something amazing. Trust me. Everyone, I don't care whatever physical form you are, whatever color, where you come from, whatever background, culture, wealth, poverty, whatever, it doesn't matter. We all came here to do something amazing. Find that. Find that passion, okay? And once you find that passion, share that, okay? Share that, wake up to that, and don't just pass this life through mediocrity, just getting by, being okay. No, we're here to live a life full of passion, joy, fun, creativity, and all that juicy good stuff. <laughs> so, go for it. Just, 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 just do it. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Taraka. Well, to just to finish off, I would like to praise you for your passion and for your joy. And I've had the pleasure of being able to spend the last few days with you. You've been such a fabulous host to have here in Singapore. We had had the intention while I was here of teaching a meditation course and the universe didn't quite allow that to happen. And now the meditation course is scheduled for next weekend when I'll be home in New Zealand. <laughs> but despite that, we've had such a good time and I've had the pleasure of getting to meet some of the local meditation students here in Singapore and they're all beautiful, gorgeous humans and I just see you doing such an amazing job here supporting them and encouraging them and, and the beautiful and unique flavor that you are and you clearly teach with such clarity but with passion and yeah it's just it's been a pleasure to have gotten to know you in the last few days so thank you thank you so much Leila it was just 
amazing for you to come and spend a few days with me in Singapore, which I really appreciated that. You think you have enjoyed so much from me, but actually it was the other way around. I really appreciated your presence here because Singapore really benefited from you being here, even though we didn't teach the course. But trust me, all the, the meditation students that I have that have met you, they love you. Okay, so uh, do come back if you have a chance. Let's hopefully that we may teach a course together in Singapore or somewhere else, right? And thank you so much for this amazing podcast thing that you do too. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, and we've made it without running out of battery power. Woohoo! <laughs>